Hello and welcome to Blight, Stories in the Key of Decay and Repair. I am Sean Williamson. On Sunday, 9 out of 13 Minneapolis City Council members announced their plan to dismantle the city's police department and replace it with, as City Council President Lisa Bender puts it, a transformative new model of public safety. These goals can be achieved by reallocating funds from the police department to other programs that benefit the welfare of the community, such as healthcare, including mental health advocacy, and pre-K schooling for all. Instead of equipping police like an occupying army, they plan to equip hospitals like hospitals and schools like schools. In Milwaukee, Tatiana Washington and Bria Smith led a march on Monday, demanding funding reductions to the Milwaukee Police Department of at least $30 million, about 10%. Other groups are demanding as much as a $75 million reduction. The police department currently makes up 45% of Milwaukee's all-purpose budget. Washington said, I went to MPS and we didn't have textbooks, but then you see the police having riot gear. That doesn't necessarily make sense. And I'd have to agree, that doesn't make any sense. I spent a year substituting all across the city for MPS for all different ages, and across the city I found the kids to be kids, sometimes nice, sometimes grumpy, very bright, and sometimes up to no good, but the classes were big, and a lot of time was spent on discipline and organizing and threats and flicking the lights on and off, which all cuts into the time to teach and time to learn. And that time, that sweet spot of education, is everything. Prioritizing education is everything. And $30 million could pay for a lot. More teachers, better compensated teachers, and that's just 10%. Imagine what $75 million more million could do. How that could transform the school system. Could transform the city. Could transform history. Our next story comes from Adam Krauss. Adam has appeared on more than 30 recordings and published numerous essays and books, including The Revolution Will Be Hilarious and other essays, New Compass, 2018. Here's Adam. God forbid that we should ever be 20 years without such a rebellion. What country can preserve its liberties if its rulers are not warned from time to time that the people preserve the spirit of resistance? Let them take up arms. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Thomas Jefferson wrote those words in a letter. Besides being a rapist, a racist, and a slave owner, Thomas Jefferson was a noted politician and political theorist who made some especially salient points about liberty. Now these things don't seem like they should belong in the same person. But there you have it, a slave owner who fought for liberty. And this sort of thing kept happening throughout his life. Jeffersonian democracy, a democratic ideal based on his ideas, is all about creating a nation of independent farmers with a barely existent government that pretty much leaves them alone. Yet, of the early U.S. presidents, he was perhaps most responsible for gathering greater and greater power into the office of the president, in particular when he bought the Louisiana Territory from Napoleon with no one's permission but his own. 
He had argued with the Federalists that too much power in the executive branch would be a bad thing, but then empowered the executive to new heights when he became president. So, maybe do as he says and not as he does. And one thing he says is that the people should be prepared to topple unjust institutions. Let them take up arms, he said. Jefferson wrote the letter I've been quoting to John Adams' son-in-law in 1787. Jefferson was discussing the recently crushed uprising of Massachusetts farmers named for one of its leaders, Daniel Shays. Shays' Rebellion usually receives a few sentences in school history books. It might even warrant a test question. Assuming you've forgotten the details of this little uprising since you nailed that question back in sixth grade, it occurred in the gap between the end of the Revolutionary War and the creation of the Constitution, back when the Articles of Confederation ruled the land. Massachusetts farmers were then paying higher taxes than they had under the British. Farms were getting foreclosed. It was bad. They had recently taken part in a rebellion against the British, set off mostly by unfair taxes, and now the taxes were even more unfair. So they took up arms again. But the leaders of this new nation found a revolt against high taxes perfectly fine when they were doing the revolting. When they were the ones levying the taxes, it was a different story. Shays' rebellion was quickly crushed with live ammunition. There were between one and three dead, and somewhere between 20 and 80 wounded, depending on what source you read. When it came time for the Constitutional Convention, there was a specter haunting the Pennsylvania State House, and it was the specter of Shays' rebellion. The framers of the Constitution were freshly afraid of armed uprisings. Alexander Hamilton and the Federalists, who argued for a strong federal government, used the fear of future rebellions like Shays to get their way, and so a strong central government that can quickly squash rebellion carried the day. Critics of the Constitution were often called Shaysites, and ever since, we have had a strong central government ready to crush dissent. For the framers of the Constitution, the American Revolution is a fine thing to do one time and teach in schools, but not something anyone should ever try to repeat. We won't need it, they tell us. We can just vote in new representatives to represent us. No need to hit the streets. But that hasn't worked out very well. We have a nation where citizens with representation in government, I mean, George Floyd had a senator, a congressperson, an alder, a mayor, a governor, These citizens with officials representing them can be summarily executed in the streets without committing a crime, and their executioners get to keep their jobs. And George Floyd's mayor is a Democrat. His governor is a Democrat. So vote blue no matter who really doesn't do much to keep the poison blue off your neck. Representative government very easily becomes a thing apart something separate from those it supposedly represents. We end up with those who get governed on one side and those who do the governing on the other. They become opponents rather than members of the same team. The governed get governed. They have to put up with it, whatever it is. And it really isn't so great. Wealth disparities are so extreme they've become almost impossible to comprehend. Racial inequalities are so deeply entrenched in every institution that they won't go away unless we make them go away or rethink those institutions entirely. On top of that, our natural world is on the brink of total collapse. To 
go back to Thomas Jefferson's letter. No country can preserve its liberties if its rulers are not warned from time to time that the people preserve the spirit of resistance. So I guess this is a warning. And I hope it's not ignored. Our next work comes from Marielle Alschwang. Marielle is a multimedia performing artist, songwriter, and musician from Milwaukee. She is a member of such bands as Collections of Colonies of Bees, Group of the Altos, Hello Death, and her own band, The Visitations, as well as a more recent home recording project called Lomira. Her 2019 release, Procession of the Day, The World of Mary Knoll, has been added to the collection of the Wisconsin Music Archive. You can check out her work at marielalschwang.com. On the first night of energized protest in Minneapolis in reaction to the police murder of George Floyd, the third precinct of the Minneapolis Police Department was set on fire. In addition, a family-owned restaurant called Gandhi Mahal and the McGizzy Communications Building caught fire. The father of the Gandhi Mahal family, Ruhel Islam, responded, Let my building burn. In the meantime, at McGizzy Communications, embers from the 3rd Precinct caught fire on the roof resulting in the obliteration of archival materials collected over several years documenting historical events in the Native American communities of Minneapolis and costly damage done to the safe space created to educate and empower Native youth. Melissa Olson, Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe and McGizzy Communications Consultant in Minneapolis, commented, Quote, Here in Minneapolis, the urban Native communities very much feel the pain of what's happening and very much feel the pain of the death of George Floyd. This is a community that has experienced a lot of police violence. Obviously, part of the reason the American Indian movement came into being was in response to police violence. Many community members here know or have relatives or were themselves killed by police in Minneapolis. That is a common fact here. McGizzy has a lot of archival materials. They have been doing media work since their founding, but they have a lot of material culture in the building. Photographs of beloved community leaders, posters, and that kind of historical culture— 95% of that archive has been greatly damaged, end quote. White supremacy and neocolonialism must be abolished from every corner of this good earth, as should the institutions that support them, like the police, like late-stage capitalism, like NGOs, like super-packed-up party systems that maintain an already murderous and exploitive status quo at best. These institutions should never have been built, and it feels good to watch them burn when that does happen. 
action is happening on a global scale, and we need that. But with activism, as we have seen proven through the balance of our precious earth and the relationships between its stewards, we humans, this work is powerful, and it is delicate. If each one of us doesn't get clear on who we really are and come to terms with what we must do to bring forth the transformations we desire in this world, if we phone it in and half-ass our efforts or half-read our articles and books and half-listen to our black and brown leaders, we may as well be embers in the wind, just as likely to harm something or someone we really wanted to protect, as we are to abolish the police. Many of those who were once protected by white supremacy are having the rude awakening of losing jobs, being deprived of health care, hearing the ticking of the mass extinction clock get louder and louder. And either way you cut it, if we continue with established routine, the next president is guaranteed to be some utterly demented caricature of a mad king. So in light of utter abandonment by leadership that never honored the sovereignty of black, brown, and indigenous people in the first place, the movement just got another several thousand members. But whether we are participating on the streets, or from our homes, as we reflect on what's happening so very quickly outside of us, we also need to acknowledge something. These buildings we want to burn are inside us, too. The kind of fire we need as a collective can't be sustained by thoughtlessness. It can't be sustained by mistaking the eradication of selfhood and personal agency for selflessness. It is our duty now to activate some controlled fires within to dismantle racism, capitalism, heteronormativity, cisnormativity, the patriarchy, white supremacy, and so much more, starting with ourselves. Ijeoma Oluo author of So You Want to Talk About Race, recently stated on Twitter, quote, The beauty of anti-racism is that you don't have to pretend to be free of racism to be an anti-racist. Anti-racism is the commitment to fight racism wherever you find it, including in yourself, and it's the only way forward. End quote. In her essay, Anarchism, What It Really Stands For, Emma Goldman writes, quote, While all anarchists agree that the main evil today is an economic one, they maintain that the solution of that evil can be brought about only through the consideration of every phase of life, individual as well as collective, the internal, as well as the external phases. End quote. She goes on to describe, quote, a storm raging within the individual and between them and their surroundings, end quote. The cause of this storm, Goldman suggests, and I'll paraphrase to add my own take on her words, 
is the systemic subjugation of human beings by way of enforcing the religious or social concept that the human is, quote, a mere speck of dust dependent on superior powers on high who can only be appeased by complete surrender, end quote. The superior powers shapeshift for convenience, sometimes appearing as God, or the state, or the wealthy elite, or the fraternity of rapists we call patriarchy. After enough years of enforcing this concept through bloodshed and terror, it becomes conditioned, internalized. Goldman says, quote, The state... Society and moral laws all sing the same refrain. A person can have all the glories of the earth, but they must not become conscious of themselves. I believe the future depends on all of us becoming conscious of ourselves. What does becoming conscious of oneself feel like? Sometimes I glimpse self-consciousness through recognizing the relationships and reflexivity between my outer world and my inner world. The roads you travel on, the sidewalks you walk on, the buildings you run your daily errands and work in day in and day out, the stratification or segregation of the other workers there. Those were in part designed by you and in turn design your psyche. If you live in Milwaukee, it's likely they were designed by expat Nazis, racists, and a militarized president. We all erode through these rivulets, forming patterns, habits, going through the motions, more or less staying in line. These paths can become pervasive, your exemplar for new places, maybe appearing in your dreams. But let's say you travel somewhere vast or remote and completely unlike the place you're in now. Or let's say you've just been in one place. You're free of predetermined paths, You might become more aware of the energy of the earth coursing underneath you, the original paths and rivulets that have informed and assisted human survival from our very beginning. Sometimes I glimpse self-consciousness through recognizing the relationships and reflexivity between my mind and my body. Now, despite what J.K. Rowling claims, menstruation does not define my gender. I am a woman, and I am also a person that menstruates. And up until this year, when my body would undergo this process, I would always be in excruciating pain. What I started doing at the beginning of this year was I began to imagine that the patriarchy was being ripped from my uterus layer by layer. I can sincerely tell you this affirmation alleviates my physical pain every time. My head feels clearer. I feel ever more powerful. 
So now when I get my period, I rejoice that another generation of cis male supremacy is being purged from my body where patriarchy is banned. And so, as I reflect on Ruhel's words, let my building burn, I think about what buildings we can let burn inside of us, even the ones we may not yet realize are there. Inspired by this concept and aim, I invite you to try a let my building burn meditation. Think of it as a process of annihilation of the self into the beloved, to quote Alistair Crowley. So, find a calm environment where you can sit undisturbed for about 20 minutes. Close your eyes and take three deep breaths. What does the air feel like as it enters your lungs? Is it warm or cool? When you exhale, where else in your body feels relief? Can you exhale with your whole body? Keep breathing deeply, aware of your breath. Now expand your awareness to your body. Say hello to your heart. Say hello to your lungs. Greet your stomach. Say hello to your liver and your spleen. Greet your kidneys. Greet your sex organs. Greet your skin. Say hello to your flesh. Say hello to your bones. Say hello to your spine. Greet your skull. Greet your brain. Say hello to your ears. Are your ears saying anything back to you? Say hello to your mouth. Say hello to your throat. Greet your nose. Say hello to your eyes. Try connecting your heart to your eyes. Make sure you say hello to the farthest reaches of your body. Greet every cell, every atom in your body. Take a moment to thank all the parts of your body and brain for working so hard for you, helping to guide you through so many different environments. Take a moment to listen to any messages back to you. As you listen, your act of listening becomes a soft blue light filling your body 
all the way up into your skull. It's just before dawn in your inner world. Now, the sun is about to rise over the landscape of your body and your mind. When it breaks through the horizon, you will see a geography specific only to you. Here it comes in five, four, three, two, one. There. It's beautiful. The sky is ablaze with color. The sun is a bright, glowing disk illuminating your inner world. What shapes and structures do you feel warming in the light? What roads, what rivers, what oceans do you feel humming and thrushing with kelp? Where are the gardens and what grows there? Much of what you see might make you feel wonderful. Don't forget any of that. You'll need to come back to those images over the next few years. But maybe some of these places, these structures, these routes or rivers don't feel right. They don't feel so good. Ask yourself why that might be. Ask those parts of you, why are you here? Why did I build you? Why have I kept you? Who or what might you be here to help or prevent? The things you must burn within can take many forms and may have urgent or overlooked messages for you. Take your time to be patient and loving in your connection with them. Now bring your attention to that blazing orb in the sky. It's haloed with rainbows, ready to receive whatever it is you wish to burn. It is celebrating your imminent renewal and all the fertile open space that will be created as you let go. You can feel the warmth of the faraway fire warming your skin. Now, thank your outmoded attachment, blockage, shadow, demon, or dream, and pitch it into the burning flame. Keep sending as much as you need to release into the fire where it will be recycled for something even better, anything you can dare imagine, maybe even a better tomorrow. Do this as long as you need. When you are finished, a warm and gentle rain falls in your inner world. The sun's glow looks softer in the blue sky. The rainbows are more vivid through the mist. The air is completely clear and fresh. 
Take another deep breath. As you breathe and delight in the new spaces cleared and fertilized within you, take a moment to meditate on the ancestors of renewal and revolution. Bold creators like Sun Ra or Ursula K. Le Guin or Malcolm X or other fearless visionaries who burned internal structures and reimagined themselves for the highest good. Listen to the air around you in your inner realm. What sounds do you hear? Is there anything happening in the natural world? Is there any activity in the community? Do you smell food cooking or flowers blooming or a breeze from a body of water? Do you hear music? Now take a moment to think about how you, with your unique gifts, your intellect, your awareness, your abilities, your privileges, your creativity, and your care can make your outer world look and sound more like this when you open your eyes. Ask yourself, What is this place I'm experiencing now calling me to do? Your society is reflected in your internal geography, but by radically renewing and restructuring your internal geography, you can reconstruct the world around you. I'm going to ask you to open your eyes when I count down from five. Five, four, three, two, one. Open your eyes. Now, go forth. Remember, we can all share the glories of the earth only when we become conscious of ourselves and each other. The process won't be comfortable or easy, but in our hearts, I think we know that. And as we've heard in earlier episodes of this podcast, it won't be easy, but it will be worth it. Thank you for listening to Blight, Stories in the Key of Decay and Repair. I'm Sean Williamson. Please check us out on Instagram and Twitter. A rating on Apple Pods is a true gift. Show music today by Chris DeMay. Playing us out today is the song One Love. Written by Damian Perkins, Nate Hamilton, Emmanuel Blackman, and Steve Folks. One Love is a song for and about Dontre Hamilton who was killed by a Milwaukee police officer in 2014. The protests following Dontre's death and the devotion of his family inspired many in Milwaukee to stand up and fight back. The film The Blood is at the Doorstep, directed by Eric Yoon, documented this time. I'll include a link in the show notes. Here is One Love.
It's what it is, what it was. Stone macho, flying with the doves. One love finest, we show you what the time is. What the grind is, Dontre sign this. With his blood, had the biggest heart you ever know. On the block with a great four loco. If you don't know, now you know. He'll never be forgotten. Damn, I miss my bro. Brother's an angel now, and he never gotta worry now. Living life in the heavens, looking down, making sure we safe. Give anything to see a smiling face. You live life on the verge of everything. All you really wanted was your family to have everything. Stone Macho, one of a kind. He stood for the family and loved all the time. Before he died, he was thinking about his family. It's a shame we have to face this reality. Your death won't stand in the dark. We bring it clarity. Use your name to start a charity. I still dream about you daily. Tears keep streaming, going crazy. I need you here. I want you here. I'm screaming one love. I still dream about you daily. Tears keep streaming, going crazy. I need you here. I want you here. I'm screaming one love. One love is a lifestyle. I love hard cause I'm Christ child. 13 represent for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. My passion is shown through my actions. They label me, disable me, but still can't detach me. I know my worth. Spread love till there's no more hurt. Clean the world till there's no more dirt. Put value on no man's worth. Put the clock in reverse and go back to April 30th. Could it be my worst fear? My brother's gone. Shot 14 times, didn't do no wrong. Laying in the park, really, I don't see no harm. Investigation still going on. The cops ain't told us shit. Hoping we forget they lying if they think that's it. Got Trey, never forget. We never will quit. One love family to be leaders. I still dream about you daily. Tears keep streaming, going crazy. I need you here. I want you here. I'm screaming one love. I still dream about you daily. Just went about it. God's new angel, no doubt about it.